0: (laughs) welcome to reputation town welcome it's the reputation town podcast and i'm john pernick and i'm here with my friend and colleague warren weeks warren how are you not too bad how are things uh, it seems like after uh, a period of no crises, there's like we have a plethora of crises. <laughs> oh, there's so many things going on. So many things going sideways. Uh, but how are things been otherwise? Uh, beyond uh, mm. beyond the world falling apart.
1: Pretty good. We haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, and a lot has happened. Um, the we were talking about the Elvis movie last time. Have you? Oh, I did not. No, I did not see it. Oh my god, you have to see it. It's it's good. It's better than good. Really? Yeah. Okay, I uh, that's a to me that's a really tough subject, and when I say subject, like Elvis, that that persona, that's a very tough thing to make a movie about because I think there's so many places for you to screw it up. Just if it doesn't feel right, if the guy doesn't have the right, like there's the music and all that. And I thought I thought he nailed it, and um, I've seen it not once, not twice, but thrice so far. Wow. Well, <clears throat> I went the second time, uh, first time with my girlfriend. She said it was one of the best movies she's ever seen. And she doesn't really know much about Elvis, probably less than you. And I took the kids the second time, which was, I, I thought that would be tough to get them to go. Yeah. 15 and 17. And, um, they wanted to go again the next day to watch it again.
0: No way. Yeah.
1: So, wow. Well, that's high praise. Highly recommend.
0: Well, I will take that, uh, take that into, into note.
1: Maybe I'll see it a fourth time and I'll drag you. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> How about yourself? Anything happening in um, non, uh, non-crisis land?
0: Well, I just took a week off. Uh, enjoyed oh, a little bit you. of the summer. That was good. Um, but uh, it was been, I, the whole time I was away, I was, I was lamenting the fact that you and I couldn't have this conversation <laughs> because of the thing I think we want to talk about today, uh, which is the Rogers mm-hmm. um, meltdown. And uh, I, I'm sure like, everyone who hears this podcast probably knows about it, but on the off chance there's people, people who, who listen, they don't know Rogers communications is is like the the telecommunications market in Canada is highly concentrated amongst a small number of large players and Rogers is one of them. And so Rogers had a major internet outage. And uh, given the, the concentration of services when that happens, when there's an outage, it has a huge impact on everything, not just from, you know, can my kids text to their friends, but things like 911 service and, you know, critical infrastructure uh, impacts. And so that from, you know, a good part of the week of uh, July 8th was, uh, was the topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we thought it might be a good uh, use of this podcast to break down that crisis sort of step by step, what happened, how did the company respond and, you know, just give some commentary on what we may be able to learn from this, this kind of exercise. But to, just to kick things off, Warren, you know, in the, you know, given the, you know, 25 plus years experience you have in, in crisis stuff, um, like how would you rate this crisis in terms of the size or impact on an organization?
1: Mm, in terms of, you know and I'm just one person right and I'd be interested in your your uh, comments as well but in terms of the actual crisis itself the scope of it was massive like millions of people as you mentioned inconvenienced and it hit not only like mobile phones like I'm on Rogers I've been with Rogers for I think 25 years or so and and you know I didn't switch providers you know what I mean like because it's such a and then you're just going over to someone who's probably not not that much better so the scope of it was massive. Millions of people, home internet, cell phones, nine one one, interact. Like companies like Tim Hortons, for example, couldn't do business. If you're a large business who had your networks on Rogers, you were you're basically toast for for that for that period. So the impact was massive. And then equally, the response was, um, you know, I'm already rethinking some of my decks and some of my talks that I'm going to be doing over the next couple of months, and using this almost as the lead because it was so high profile. And as we talk about every time we do one of these podcasts, it, it, it really it's, it's a head scratcher because all of the things that you need to do as a leadership team are they're not only common knowledge, they're free. They're they ask at Google, how do you handle the crisis, timeliness, transparency, tell them what you're doing, apologize. And I still really haven't seen an apology from them, so, um, I, you know, to me, this is going to be one of the bigger, um, kind of screw ups, you know, hopefully there was no loss of life or injuries associated with this. Who knows with the whole 911 thing, but it was, it was a pretty high profile F up and their response was really, uh, really bad. So that's well, okay. So
0: let's, let's dig into it, but you know, just for context, I was trying to think back to anything analogous to this and, you know, the closest thing I could come up with was, uh, in terms of technology breakdown was, and this is going to date us, but (laughs) was the BlackBerry outage, uh, which of course didn't have the same impact because it was, again, inconvenienced people not being able to communicate through their phones, um, but didn't have the same sort of critical infrastructure impact that this Rogers um, outage had. Well, and also,
1: blackberries. Back in the day, we were using them for email and stuff. But you weren't living your whole life on your phone. No. Like there, we have so much of our day-to-day activities in this device, and to have them. Um, and th- th- this crisis started. Like they said, it was around two a.m. on Friday morning, and just radio silence from the company for like seven hours. That's
0: well. Let's let's start there. Yeah. So so yeah. So the cri- This the issue ended up being uh so so it's described a uh, a maintenance issue gone wrong which um, i don't like for do,
1: do you believe that not to get con- well, tinfoil hat but like do you believe that it was a maintenance issue i think it is possible
0: uh there, we had a, at one point our company had a, our servers in a data center and because that data center improperly patched the, the switches that like control the network traffic in and out it shut down access to the data center, so I believe that it is definitely something that could happen. But who knows, right? Like, this is this is such a such a big deal that uh, it's it, that's an easy thing to pin it on. But you know, I, I, I don't know if this is actually the full story or not. Okay. But but to your point, the the, the problem arose. And then it was not until just before 9 a.m. Uh, on, Je- on July 8th uh, that Rogers posted a statement. And that statement, I'll just read it quickly. On Twitter, under the Rogers help handle, they posted, we know how important it is for our customers to stay connected. We are aware of the issues currently affecting our networks, and our teams are fully engaged to resolve the issue as soon as possible. We will continue to keep you updated as we have more information to share. So, when you look at this statement, Warren, like what are your thoughts about this as a first response to what was happening?
1: Well, the first thing and and you know, in, in this job, I'm very aware of the fact that there's these two guys on this podcast kind of poking fun at this company. It, the, the term Monday morning quarterback comes to mind. Right. And so there's a little bit of that in here and, you know, how would we handle it differently and all that kind of stuff. So I just want to address that a little bit and like, these are human beings, and you know they were. I, I would assume trying to do their best, but we'll we'll try to break it apart. The first thing is the amount of time, because I became aware of this in the morning. I looked at my phone, and uh, I went out, and I, I didn't have any connection. And because you're at home, you're on Wi-Fi, but when I went out to grab a coffee, there's no connection. And so, my first instinct is, oh, did someone hack my phone? Um, is there, uh, you know, some sort of a, a specified outage? And then I started checking, I I checked the Rogers account, nothing there. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's just my phone. But then I looked for Rogers as a search on Twitter, and then people are going crazy. And it had been since like two in the morning. So to to go seven hours, and I think, you know, to give them a little bit of, to be generous in in this interpretation, maybe they were thinking, look, everybody's asleep. Maybe this thing will be resolved by the time most people wake up. Maybe we don't need to make that big of a deal of it. I think there might have been a little bit of that. But seven hours later to have that response that you just read out doesn't seem like a lot of detail. It doesn't seem like they have any clue what the cause is. Like after seven hours, wouldn't you know if it's a maintenance issue, technical issue? My personally, and I'm just, this is complete speculation, but based on all of the things that I saw and the timing and just the frazzled executives and the notes from the the CEO and the, the just the... The widespread outage across all their different services, I don't, I don't really buy their narrative that it was a maintenance glitch. I like, you know, you've seen people speculating online that it was some kind of hack, ransomware, they were taken down, and that was the issue. And, and you know, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but like, why, why am I speculating that? First of all, it was, it, it's not so much. I'm not an IT expert. It's about the response. The response was slow, and it was kind of anemic, and it was, you know. We're, we understand how important it is for you to stay connected. Like, that's not what I want to hear right now. Like, just when are you going to fix it? When are you going to fix it? Give me a timeline, apologize. Let's start talking credits at this point. So it was just, it was so slow and it was just really weak.
0: You know, I wonder if you're you're right in that they, they, they didn't maybe appreciate the, the extent of the problem that they were facing. And so they were hoping that while everyone was still asleep, essentially they could get this sorted out. And then they like I, I I note the fact that the update came at you know six minutes before nine a.m. It, it kind of feels like nine a.m. was a cutoff where they had to say yeah. something, and so they took something off the shelf, which sounds a bit you know pre pre written and and uh, and in retrospect, given the size of the outage, actually kind of looks like it's um, naive because it didn't uh, capture the gravity of what was actually happening. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I agree, like some communicators were often dealing with not full information and in, in, the moment, this maybe seemed like the best thing they had. Uh, and then also, I think I'm also always thinking of the idea that like legal is looking heavily over top of all this stuff and, you know, communicators are, are often limited in what they can say. So, but that, that took, uh, that was really the extent of what Rogers had to say until, you know, um, much later in the day. And so as, as the day progressed and the morning, progressed, like, as you point out, like the cascade of all these impacts kept adding up and adding up and it became like the full news cycle, essentially. Now you noted, and talked about um, uh, in some detail that they did eventually put up a spokesperson uh, <laughs> to do some interviews. So why do you, so which, you know, we've often talked about is you know, putting a human face in front of something is yeah. important. Um, so that was, that was definitely the right, uh, sort of approach to take, but I, I think it's, I think people would benefit to hear some of the analysis you did on, on that, uh, that appearance. So maybe you can break that down a little <laughs> bit when they, when they stepped out with the spokespers. Yeah.
1: Well, analysis is probably a fancy word for what I did. I, I always joke that people like us, we turn into one of the judges on American Idol when we're watching these things unfold. And so <clears throat> I was really looking Throughout the day, and, and thankfully, and not by design, just by accident, my home internet provider is another company. So I had internet access that day. So I was able to kind of function and work. Um, and, you know, the, and that's interesting. It's an interesting point because half of the rage and fury that you would have seen that day, you weren't able to see because those people couldn't use their phones, right? So someone sent me, like, have you seen this interview that this guy did from Rogers? And I'm like, ooh, let me add it. And I was assuming it's the CEO, CIO, CTO, COO, see somebody. And I see this guy, um, and and I don't want to really critique him too much. I like I, my first reaction. The guy's name is Kai Prig. He's from the UK. He's been with Rogers about three years. He's with I think Vodafone before that. And he's a senior VP of like networks, and you know, he's a senior VP, but on the technical side. And he's sitting there in a black T-shirt and the lanyard around his neck. And he look, looks like he's not having a fun day, obviously, like he's trying to fix the issue. And I saw him do two different interviews. And so, yes, okay, we'll give them some points for g- g- having a spokesperson answering some questions. But at, at it kind of stops there, the credit, because the interviews themselves were terrible. Um, he was providing very little information, um, very again anemic answers um talking about the root cause you know once we get to the root cause he mentioned that term a lot and that's why that's why i and not to jump around too much but that's why my mind goes to another issue like why are you saying root cause that sounds like a lawyer weaselly phrase implying that there were more than one there's more than one cause right so um it it just it, it when, when you fail to communicate with your audience in an authentic and transparent way, then you leave the, the door open for rumor and speculation. So I saw the interviews, two of them, they were five minutes each. And my first reaction was, oh my God, I have to like post something and just rip these interviews apart. You step by step, like lack of eye contact, lack of great messaging, no apology. And the second interview, a lawyer actually cut it off. I don't know if you saw the second one, but the reporter starts asking about the monopolization of the Canadian um, telecom industry and, uh, and someone, they said it was a lawyer cut off the interview. And so there's, there's just, it's a train wreck of, of these two interviews. And that my first reaction was to kind of critique them and, and rip them apart. And I didn't do it immediately. And I just let it kind of marinade over the, the next day or so. And it occurred to me that night, like, that's not the real issue. That's not the story. The story is why was it him? Why was he there? And, Who, who's pulling the strings behind the scene? Who's making all the chess moves? And so my, my, uh, my assessment of it, I did a LinkedIn post and I've never had anything, you know, we'll send out a post on LinkedIn. You might get like 13 likes, 50 likes, a hundred likes is a huge one. And uh, these two posts that I did about this outage had, um, I think combined 470,000 views and like tons of of comments and, and, and all sorts of engagement. So it really struck a nerve, but uh, to me it was, who decided that this was going to be the spokesperson? And I, I think that that was one of the weaseliest things that Rogers did in that situation. First of all, there's no reason that guy should have been pulled off his job. Like, this is arguably the most important day of his career in terms of the size of this crisis and his job. And I know he's not the guy with the screwdriver in the little box, and I'm sure that's not how you fix these things. But this was he that's his responsibility. And he was taken off of that to be what I would call a human shield for the company. They put him on TV and I think the, and I can kind of see the logic if you're in fight or flight mode, I can see the logic behind that. You take this guy from the tech side. So look, you're not going to be able to ask him any questions about monopolies and anything like that because that's not his role. Uh, I think in, in another way, putting a tech guy on on as, a, as the spokesperson kind of minimizes it from a national telecom crisis to a technical glitch. And, and, but I think he was set up to fail the whole time. Like I, I, I watched that interview and I actually feel bad for that guy. Like this is the ultimate taking one for the team because this guy's got a family and friends and a legacy and and a resume and everything else. And he was put in a situation where he was clearly not prepared. The interviews are not great, but it was not his fault. And so who were the, I'm going to just say weasels who decided to push him out and put him out front with no proper messaging I don't think he had the, the, the um, I don't think he had the green light to give an apology on behalf of the company. Still really haven't seen one. I've seen a lot of wording that kind of implies that we're really sorry and this is unacceptable, but they've never actually said we, we're sorry. And if you think back to, if you remember all the boardroom bullshit that went on with this company, people compared it to that show Succession, all the family stuff and the name calling and the power struggles in the boardroom. Like This is a company that has a broken soul. And you're seeing an example of that when they had a crisis like this, and this is not an unpredictable crisis. Like if you are a telecom provider, what's your worst case scenario? This is it. So if you're going to do a tabletop exercise or simulation or media interviews, this is the one. And the fact that they were so just behind on everything and and doing the opposite, like it was like the George Costanza approach, right? Let's just do the opposite of what like Leaf Foods did, for example, or Tylenol. And we always use these examples, but the companies who did it right, they did the exact opposite and they got eviscerated by by the public and rightly so. You
0: know, I wonder, one of the other things that's at play here is Rogers is currently trying to get regulatory approval to purchase another communications company, Shaw Communications, Mm -hmm. um, which some fear will lead to further concentration in the marketplace and less competition. And, and, you know, when you talk about interviews being interrupted when topics turn to topics like concentration, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder how much uh, straight up let's manage the crisis was uh, uh, conflicted with how do we protect our opportunity to try and close this, this deal. Um, so I think that, that's in the background as well. You know, great, great, great points on that, uh, on that interview. Um, you know, quite often you say, yeah, we want to hold the CEO until we absolutely have to, but sometimes the crisis is so large that you need to put the CEO in front mm-hmm. right away, or at least early on to show a level of control and seriousness. So, so throughout the afternoon and into the evening, Rogers made another, uh, a number of additional written posts on Twitter uh, it's interesting that they, they obviously took, it, they became more formal. They had like a little graphic created uh, with, you know, the red, the red uh, exclamation point network outage and, and, and basically just had some holding messages. You know, each of the messages was a variation of something like our technical teams are working to restore our services alongside our global technology partners uh, and are making process uh, progress. We know how much you rely on our networks. Today, we've let you down. We're working to make this as right as quickly as we can. We'll continue to keep you updated, including when services will be online. I find it interesting they inject the idea of global technology partners, like rather than just owning it, they're they're trying to share, yeah. <laughs> spread the spread spread the misery around a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, uh, but having said that, you know, eventually uh, they they did get to a CEO message later on that day and they posted that on their website and um uh to your point you know um they they were contrite and they kept talking about uh how they take the responsibility that they have as a network provider very seriously and that they let people down and saying we can do better but to your point more and they didn't actually go to the full sort of Catharsis of apologizing, so that you know, people could at least have that that moment. I don't. know Did, did you have a look at that statement, yeah. the CEO? The CEO, did what were your thoughts on it?
1: It was it was it was better, right? Their communications got better as the days went on, and and if I'm not mistaken, I think the CEO did an actual interview, like he or a statement. I saw him on a video, uh, like I think it was like two or three days later. Um, Later on, um, yeah. Providing statements. And, yeah. And, and yeah. what he said then, I'm like, why didn't you say that the first day? Like, it would have been a completely different feel. It reminds me a little bit of um, United Airlines. Remember when they dragged that doctor off the airplane and they were punching him in the head and all those video cameras were were videotaping it. And another multi-billion dollar company. And it's, it's so funny that these large, massively funded companies are so terrible at, at crisis communications. That was a self-inflicted crisis when they dragged that doctor off the plane. And even though the CEO had nothing to do with it, it escalated very quickly. And if you remember, they had to do three apologies in a row. The first apology was basically and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it was like, um, we're sorry that we had to assault this passenger, but if he hadn't been so belligerent, we wouldn't have had to beat him up. That was the first, like, and so they're kind of blaming the victim. And then the second one was a little bit better. And then the third one, they kind of nailed it. But by that point it's just scorched earth and everybody is so pissed off at you. And so it's almost like you have to get it right and you have to get it right kind of fast. And so I thought their communications got better as it's, it's funny that when, when the crisis was at its worst, their, their, um, their communications were at their worst. And as the system kind of repaired itself, you could almost see the fight or flight or the panic kind of decreasing. And then they got more control over the situation. Like I, I can't, I can't em- emphasize this enough that there's this little thing inside your brain, the amygdala, right? This little, it's like the size of a, a jawbreaker. It's inside your brain. It's that reptile part of your brain. Like if you're, if you are almost in a traffic accident and you, you know, veer out of the way, or if you're running and you see a snake on the path and you jump, like you don't even, you're not even aware that, that it's happening. It's that primitive brain. And in a crisis situation, you can be the most learned and, and wise executive. If you don't have proper training in these areas, when these situations come up, you are a victim to this and your heart starts pounding, you start sweating, your mind is racing and the parts of your brain, like the parts of these and I don't know these individuals, but like, let's just say they're C-suite in general. It, based on their performance, I would say that the parts of their brains that they were hired for were muted that day because of the crisis. And it's not just Rogers, it's it's any company. Same thing would happen with Maple Leaf Foods, but then you have people come in the crisis managers, some objective people to say, look, here's what we need to do. And I don't, you know, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in and hearing the communications people. I, I know, I can just feel that there were communications people at Rogers telling people what to do and how we should do it. And they were just getting like, we're not doing that. And just the frustration associated with that. And then watching these interviews and watching these responses um, one of my hobbies in these crisis situations is, you know when Rogers sends out a tweet like that, you know we it's important for you to be connected. I look at the comments underneath <laughs> because the comments are the funniest place on social media right now. and some of them are some of them are just ridiculous. Some of them are profane. Some of them are hilarious. But, um, that's how you get a sense of what people's real reaction is. People were really, really, really upset. But at the end of the day, what are you gonna do? Like I mentioned I'm with Rogers. I'm locked in with them. Like the last time i I renewed my contract, they, they say, okay, well, here's a little here's a pair of AirPods. I don't really want this. Well, no, we're here, it's a gift for you. And here's a little, some iPad kind of thing. I don't want that. Well, no, it's part of the, but you're locked in. And so for me to break that contract would be incredibly expensive. And then again, you're just going to another company that's basically the same. And so I think at the end of the day, they're sitting there thinking, first of all, fight or flight is having an impact on it. And secondly, they're like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? I think there's a little bit of that as well.
0: I think that's exactly right. You know, it's interesting. You pointed out earlier, in large companies, there's often this particular reticence to, to, or it's a predisposition to minimize these situations when they arise. And it's not like you have to, or you should, you know, overcorrect to, you know, make a big, make make a huge deal out of something that isn't. But in this case, like by the morning, it was pretty clear how big this was. Yeah. And, and to your point, like they eventually did get to a, a pretty good apology a couple days later. You know, had you, had they done that that morning, and then the service went, turned back on five minutes later, like no one was going to criticize them yeah. for, wow, that was, they really overdid that apology. Yeah. Like that, that wasn't going to happen. Um, but there's, there is often a reticence to go there uh, too early um, but, uh, at any rate, um, you know, by the next day, fast forwarding a little bit here, July 9th. So service started to recover, or maybe it was even by the end of the eighth, uh, mm-hmm. late in the night service started to recover. And, uh, they, they sent out a, a further tweet that day on July 9th. And it basically said, um, you know, network outage, um, Following our previous updates, we've now restored services for the, quote, vast majority of our customers, and our technical teams are working hard to ensure the remaining customers come back online as quickly as possible. Again, like, they are trying to minimize, and they got pilloried by a lot of customers who said, I, I, I'm not a vast majority. Like, I, yeah, I'm it's still my, working for I, me still. Yeah. So why are you trying to rush, like, you're compounding the problem that you started earlier um, it's it's like it's quite often the case where you, pe- again people try and minimize. They they want to make it less. It's like you got to own it. You we, we made a mistake. We got to fix it now. And let's not try and get to the healing phase too soon because we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not. We can't pivot to that point uh, just yet.
1: Um, I heard someone say one time like I don't I forget who it was. So I'd love to give them credit, but they said that. In crisis situations like this, one of the problems is that the executive has a narrative in their head. They have a narrative in their head of how the company is and how this, like they want it to be fixed so badly that they start bending the communications to match the narrative in their head. And that's one of the impediments to good crisis management. They say you have to shatter that and say, okay, that's gone. Here's what we're dealing with now. We have to we have a, have to have a new approach and a new process and a new set of messages And so to me, it sounds like kind of wishful thinking. They're just trying to bend it or give it a headlock and say, no, you're going to work. And because they had some people up, it sounds like they were exaggerating a little bit. So it just, well, or even
0: if they weren't, let's just say 75% of our customers are back online. Why bait basically the 25% who are still furious, inconvenienced, uh, by saying something like that. Um, anyway, so that takes us to July 10th and, and that's when they, um, I guess the CEO really uh, came out and, and made a more fulsome statement and, and started talking about quote, you're going to use your, your terminology again, that they were using the root cause of the outage. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, you had to look at that, that statement and I think you've talked about it a bit already, but yeah. you know, what, what were your thoughts on the CEO's uh, more fulsome comments?
1: <clears throat> Not bad, right? Like it was as, as the crisis went, on and as it got kind of resolved technically their communications uh, improved like i don't I, you know I, I we're just we're looking on the outside like i don't know if they had a did they pull in a crisis management firm at you know at at, at a at too late of a stage and they tried to to correct course a little bit i don't know um but the, it's the speed right like i think of the <clears throat> the megantic train derailment right july 6 2013 it was the story, the new story of the year in Canada. 47 people killed and this town is destroyed. And, you know, we've both used the, the chair of the board as a, a poster boy for bad media interviews, Ed Burkhart. And he showed up to the town four days after the explosion. And that's just, it's four days too late. Or at the best, it's three and a half days too late. And so for this, the the delay of seven hours for the first communication, they had all this pent up anger Um, it's just, it's inexcusable. Like for them to, they even could have just said on Twitter, look, we're aware that there's a technical issue. We're working on it. We'll update you at some point. And then instead of being 92% angry, you're 54% angry. It just communicate with us a little bit. Like, it's so ironic that a company that has communications in its title is so terrible at actually communicating with people. And I, you know, I feel like a broken record just kind of like flinging snowballs at this company, but it's, um, you know. Especially after the pandemic, every single company has just come out of a crisis, and and you would think that the appreciation for crisis management, like, how is this not part of their normal operating protocol? Like, how, how is this not at every large company that you, every once or twice a year, you go and you do some simulated crisis situations, and this is a new CEO, one of the first things you're supposed to do with a new CEO is do media training, crisis training, and so you know, they don't get a lot of sympathy from, from folks like us. And I've had a lot of discussions, you know, with you and other folks in our industry who uh, just say that the response was lacking in so many areas. Like it wasn't a little bit bad. It was, it was, it was terrible. They eventually got to where they were supposed to be. But by that point they'd killed so much goodwill that it almost didn't matter. And then the, and unless I'm missing it, I didn't see the apology. I saw some, some, you know, this is unacceptable and this does not meet our standards and that kind of thing. But they never got around to saying, sorry, or we apologize. And it reminds me of the Fonz. You watched Happy Days when you were a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And the Fonz was super cool. I love I love that guy. But there were certain words he couldn't say because he was, uh, you know, this 70s caricature Clint Eastwood kind of guy. And he couldn't, like, if he was wrong, he would say, hey, Richie, I was, and he couldn't say the word. And it's almost like these CEOs have that sort of syndrome that they can't, You know, that's going to be, we're going to be legally liable and we're going to lose face. In a situation like this, apologizing can take so much of the pressure away. And I really, I'm not a, I'm not a legal expert, but I've heard, and maybe you know more about this than me, that a company apologizing in the midst of a crisis, like Maple Leaf Foods did, 22 or 23 people died. They apologized for it as it was happening. It doesn't necessarily equal legal liability. And is the court of public opinion less important than the court of law when it comes to your brand and your reputation? So, you know, I I think um, you talked about overcorrecting earlier. I think overcorrecting is your only response these days because everybody's fact checking you in real time on their phones if their phone works. And there's no nothing wrong with overcorrecting. But I think a lot of times they're like, you know, let's just see if it blows over. We'll see if it goes away. (laughs) And so this is what you get.
0: Well, and to your point about liability, I don't know whether it was that, or if it was this question about the transaction they're trying to complete, that was, that was complicating things. Um, well, let me ask you Because this,
1: like if you talk about the merger not, don't mean to cut you off, but like, do you think that their handling of the crisis there's because there's two issues, the crisis itself, the technical issue, and then there's the handling of it. Which one of those do you think hurts the merger more there? the, the, the technical outage or the bungling of the response?
0: good question like ultimately the the merger approval is a political decision and so if i'm a politician and i'm you know thinking about whether do i go ahead with allow this to go ahead um i think they they, they, there's they have equal uh and and i would say maybe the handling of it uh has greater slightly greater impact now that i think about it because ultimately that's those are who politicians will hear from are the same people who are inconvenienced by the outage And you know, you know, pe- do you want to have more of this? It's <laughs> <is> essentially the, <laughs> the the question. Um, ultimately, I, I totally agree with you. They they definitely got to where they needed to be, and you know, they they, they uh, announced a credit for customers, then they increased the credit for customers. You know, maybe they should have been. Uh, extraordinarily generous in the first case uh, with the credit, um, to, mm-hmm. so you didn't have to get to, you, just, you didn't have to increase it. Um, it's, you know, the, if you, if you look like you're being, uh, dragged, kicking and screaming, like you mentioned the, 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 lag, lag crisis, that guy was, you know, was pulled there by <laughs> by horses. Like they, he did not want to go. It was obvious. Uh, and when he got there, he was he certainly didn't comport himself in a way that you'd expect someone like him should. But um, if you're dragged, and I'm not saying Rogers was dragged kicking and screaming, but if you if it appears as if you're You know, only doing it because you're being made to. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have the same impact in terms of prices recovery. And so now, if you look at what what the way their narrative is is moved, it's about they're talking about trust, and they talk they they recognize that they've lost trust among customers for sure. To your point, Warren, there's so much friction in a a customer leaving one provider and going to you know the other one. (laughs) Like there's a ton of choice. Like there is somewhat more choice, but not not a heck of a lot more. Right. It's not an easy effort; like it's a major undertaking. And so, um, uh, you know, that's maybe more a comment on the on the sh- uh, state of competition in Canada when it comes to these services. But at any rate, that's where they are now. And and you know, this, the CEOs followed up with it was an additional you know uh, communication that again is is saying a lot of the right things. I noted today they announced that their chief technical officer is is gone and they're putting someone new in in that role, which is so I guess not unexpected given given the uh, what's what's happened. Um, uh, but, you know, going forward though, like I think obviously the company is turning to reputation recovery now that the crisis is over and 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 um, and and they're moving forward, but. You know, this is interesting. How do you recover from something like this? How do you, how do you rebuild trust? Um,
1: well, I guess it, it brings up a couple points, right? First of all, <clears throat> I don't think you can, if you're, if you're in, in this situation, you're, you're, you're sort of, it's like, we don't want to know about our provider. I shouldn't know who it, like, I should get my phone. It should work all the time or 99.8% of the time. And if it's down, it should be up pretty soon. I shouldn't know about any of that other stuff. And I know that's, that, you know, it's a technical marvel that we can do all these things. But the fact that it became such a big news story is so negative. And the level of trust of people in this company, and I would say most companies in this world are pretty low. So you know, I don't know if you can fix it. And then the other, the flip side of it is because of the, the concentration in the industry, like, do they actually need to, maybe they're just saying yeah, trust is a nice thing to say in in their statement, but maybe they don't give a shit. Like maybe they don't care. Trust us. Don't trust us. Pay your bill. You know, maybe, maybe there's an element of that. And I don't want to be, I don't want to sound too cynical, but like, what are you going to do? Right? Like I was as pissed off as anybody else and I'm still, they're still my provider. So, you know, and I'm sure I'm not the only person in that boat. And again, it just, you, then you go to, what am I going to go to bell? and, Who's to say that they couldn't have the same situation next next month? But what's interesting is that uh, I saw someone tweet the other day that he's from the States, and he said it's cheaper for him to be in Canada with his U.S. SIM card in his phone than it is to use a Canadian plan. Like, our rates are some of the highest in the world. I don't know exactly where we rank, but it's really, really high. Like, they have a much better system in the States in terms of affordability, and um, it's almost like a cartel. And so... Um, that, not that we're talking about that today, but it's just one of those other items that I would I would love to see these companies broken up into smaller providers and uh, see those prices come down.
0: So I think this, I think you're right uh, about customers. I think the, the, maybe the biggest impact this is going to have is and how they're seen by regulators. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about the transaction, but, you know, regulation of telecommunications is a frequently discussed topic in Canada and something that the federal government spends a lot of time on. And I have to, I have to think this is going to be a major problem for for Rogers with that stakeholder group. What, um, what do you think is going to happen for the first the Do you future? think it's
1: going to be approved or rejected?
0: Uh, I don't know. Who knows. Right. But uh, I love making I, predictions. I'm, on definitely ex- I'm not definitely not an expert in that, but
1: just politically,
0: I would imagine um, it would be, it would be very difficult for them to, the federal government to approve it unless mm-hmm. there are bigger considerations at play that I'm not aware of it. um, it would, it would certainly leave them a lot of questions and maybe, maybe, you know, there's some way that they're going to say, Oh, we have some sort of assurances or some sort of, you know, uh, other, um, other features that they, they attach onto an approval in order to, to make it more palatable. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, politically that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, so that, that, uh, is, is the sort of arc of the narrative that we've experienced so far. Um, you know, I, th- one of the things uh, I think will be interesting just to see how this recovery goes along and see how the company is perceived over the, over the coming weeks and months. So maybe that's something we can keep an eye on.
1: Maybe. Um, I don't, I don't, I frankly, I think that I don't think they care. I really, and I not to be cynical again, They got through the issue. They kind of fixed it up. I think they figured they've done not a bad job at damage control. And I don't think this is going to have any kind of material impact on their, on their, on their revenues. I just, you know, I don't think it's going to be a big deal for the, the, the merger is the big kind of like, if you remember bugs bunny, it's the piano uh, Uh hanging above someone's head. Uh I'm going to go out on a, on a limb and just say, I think the merger is not going to be approved based on, on what we've seen. And I think, I would, you know, if, if it is, I don't know. Like, I'm not a political expert, but I would say that based on what I've seen, um, just the public sentiment and their handling of it, I don't think they've earned the right to have that merger go through. So, if they had handled it quickly, transparently, like bad things can happen, but it's like how you handle it and how you deal with your stakeholders. And I, apparently, the government was super pissed off to the, to the point where now uh, you've probably seen this that they're trying to have um, something put in place where the major providers would have to be forced to back each other up in the event of an outage like this. So if this were to happen again, Bell's network would take on all of Roger's customers for the course of the the outage and vice versa. So I can't... I, I did read
0: that, but I, to me, that was like some... To me, I, just... Ridiculous. Inconceivably like how, how to would that invent. even How would that even work? Yeah.
1: But the fact yeah. that they're talking about this means that the politicians are taking a lot of heat. And, um, you know, it's just... It's so... It's so funny to me that somewhere in that organization is a communications manager who knew the right things to do that day. I'm just speculating here. I'm sure you're right. And told their boss, and their boss told their boss, and their boss told someone with a C in their title, and that person said, F that. (laughs) We're not doing doing that. And that's that's kind of the problem, right? It's um, the higher up you get, the more insulated you get. These folks are making you know multi, multi, multi millions of dollars a year, and when it comes down to crunch time, and they should be the one on TV, they take some technical SVP and they shove them out there and and put them in a position to fail, and that sucks.
0: Well, um, I think you have provide some great analysis, Warren. Um, anything else you want to add before we we wrap this up? I have something I want to I want to spring on you.
1: Oh yeah, but go well, ahead. Not, not really attached to this. I feel like people are probably sick of the story, and you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about it sooner. But we'll have this kind of on the public record. But looking through just Twitter today, we have no shortage of stuff to talk about in our next episode. Like, I don't know if you've seen the stuff with the owner of the Edmonton Oilers or yes. the, the, whole, the <laughs> hockey sexual abuse fund. Like, just well, so that's that's the thing. Kind of hockey ho-
0: episode. I, I want to do a, a, a breakdown of that because to me, that's still a slow moving car accident. Oh yeah. Um, yeah the fact that hockey canada has uh just for people on the seen that hockey canada has been uh dealing with um a crisis which is basically um you know the the alleged sexual assault of a young woman by it was it the under 18 or the
1: I, I don't i'd have to do some research on U-18, it, I think it was like uh, eight, eight individuals team canada or teams
0: several years ago yeah And, uh, and it's had major repercussions and will continue to have major repercussions for that organization. So I think we should do a breakdown of that because I think there's some great lessons from that, uh, that, that others can learn from as well.
1: We'll do a hockey crisis episode.
0: I like, I love it. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, um, great episode, Warren. Let's, let's uh, look forward to doing the next one. I agree. We have a lot of other stuff we can talk about.
1: Sounds good, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care.
0: Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review or recommend the show. See you next time.